Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And with us today, we have two people to talk about instant recovery. We've got Tyler King, the lead designer, and we've got Kevin McKenzie, the test architect. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Can we start by telling me what is instant recovery? I mean, it, is that a big rubber band r- around the machine or something? It just bounces right back. But- yeah, it'll be right back. BRB. The mm. millennials. Instant recovery is an umbrella term for a number of different technologies that we have shipped in the past, like parallel sysplex and things that we are planning on shipping in the future. System recovery boost, which is what I think we wanted to talk about, is what we shipped with the Z15. And this is focused entirely on systems going down and coming back up, that kind of area? Exactly. Yeah, for planned and unplanned events. So this boost part of it, how does that happen? There are a couple of different flavors of boost. There's what we call capacity boost, and there's what we call zip boost. So for capacity boost, we sell a number of different models of machines, some of which run at full speed, so those are usually the 7XX models, Mm -hmm. and then some of which run at a subcapacity speed, so the 4, 5, and 6XX models. With capacity boost, during the boost period, you run at full speed no matter what. So if you have a subcapacity machine, you get a large additional bump in, in the amount of processor power available to you so that, that speeds just everything up. And that's like a that's a clock speed statement? or Yes. Okay. And what's the other type of boost? The other type of boost is zip boost, and that only naturally applies to systems that have zips defined. But with zip boost, for the boost period, work that can normally only run on regular CPs can also run on zips. So you have additional capacity available to you if needed, to run whatever work you want. So it's like all hands on deck and the zips don't get to say, that's not my job. Exactly. Anything (laughs) that can process, start processing. Right. So so what's a zip? A zip is one of the types of processors that runs on the IBM Z machines. So you have regular CPs, you have IFLs that can run Linux, you have ICFs that can run coupling facilities, and then you have zips which can run certain types of work that IBM allows on them. So Java work, for example, certain types of database work, other things where IBM says it, says it's okay to run. Generally for... Java. Yeah, saving saving DB. money for certain types of workload, right? So as a right. customer, you want, you want the best possible performance at a certain price point. Right. And so zip stuff, it doesn't, it, it doesn't play in any of the traditional monitoring or I should say metering for cost. Correct. Anything that runs on a zip is not charged towards your four-hour rolling average or however it is you're paying for capacity. And, and that's one of the big advantages of the boost is not only do you get this additional capacity, you don't pay for it. Yeah, oh, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. So the way system recovery boost works is you get, you get this extra capacity to make your shutdown faster, uh, you get your startup much faster, and you get that additional capacity to kind of boost your workloads and run them in overdrive for a period of time after you're already back up and running. Oh, so you get that after you've come back up as well. Yeah, so to make up for lost time. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's like you were never down, hopefully. It's kind of like when the uh, the pilot comes on and says, oh, we're going to speed up a little bit to make, uh, make up for the time that we lost in the gate. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just to recap what 
Kevin said, because I know a lot of people get confused. Mm. So we have this speed boost, this capacity boost that our folks that have subcapacity machines can use. And then whether you have a subcapacity machine, a full capacity machine, you can use speed boost as well, which, you know, you can run your GPs on your zips. So whether whatever machine you have, you can use uh, you can use system recovery boost. So it almost sounds like um, I get more of a benefit as a subcapacity machine than if I had a, you know, a, a full capacity machine. Yeah, because they get the double boost. Oh, you can get double boosted. Yeah, you if you have a subcapacity machine and you have a zip, then you double boost. So you want to leave a little bit of room. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> want that headroom in there. Well, this is kind of cool, but it sounds all technical. <laughs> so what do we need you for, Tyler? So my job as a designer is to work with our users, so the people that are literally using our machines, so like system programmers, uh, architects, people like them, to understand who they are as people so we have some empathy for them when we're building our machines and understand what their workflows are like so that when we're building these offerings, they're actually going to integrate really easily into their workflows. So one thing that came from our design research uh, was we – added the shutdown boost. So originally we were just going to do startup and the boosted capacity after the startup. But when we talked to users, they said, you're only capturing half the story. Shutdown is really, really slow and I, I need you to make my shutdown faster. So we worked with the team, the technical team, and they made shutdown faster. And it was really great. And our users are really excited about it. Do you have an idea of uh, how much faster it is for a client? I do. I have the proof points right in front of me. Ah. Um, so we are seeing 2x faster return to pre-shutdown SLAs, 2x faster processing of transactional backlogs, up to 2.5x faster processing of batch backlogs, and up to 4x faster GDPS automated startup shutdown and site switches. How do you know how long to do it? Is it, is it just a, a time delay or do we how, how do we de make that determination it's automatic for startup so for startup as soon as you IPL boost starts unless you've disabled it and then for up to an hour you get the you get the boost theoretically speaking you could turn it off sooner if you wanted to but no one's Who going would to do that yeah exactly <laughs> no, we're, we're not going to come after you and yell at you if you don't you know I don't want we, free capacity <laughs> exactly we give you an hour if you want to you know if you use the entire hour that's fine um, shutdown's a bit more complicated because ZOS doesn't really have a defined concept of a shutdown like the other operating systems do. So the way that works is we give you a command you can issue at the console to say I'm starting my shutdown and you get then get half an hour of boost time during the shutdown. So if you can shut down in half an hour, you can just start at the, at the beginning of the shutdown. If it takes you longer than half an hour to shut down, you should try to figure out when it would be most advantageous. One of the things we did run into was some customers were complaining, like, it takes me eight hours to shut down. You're only giving me <laughs> half an hour of boost. Right. And then you talk to them and they say, well, yeah, but we've got everything automated and we just, like, wait half an hour between every command. And it's sort of like, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so we're not going to be able to help you very much. But if you're just, you know, doing what you do in terms of draining the spools, start it, stopping your transactional workloads, things like that. Half an hour, we think, should be more than enough time. And if it takes you more than half an hour to shut down, then you can look at RMF reports, other things, and just try to figure out when it would be most advantageous to you. So it's very important for IBM to define what the shutdown period is because it could go longer than half an hour. 
Yeah, that's something right. that we worked with our users on to define right. that. Right, and, and we should mention that as soon as you start the shutdown boost, there's WLM is going to start stop routing work to the system and do some other things because we are assuming that you are actually shutting down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no no turning this on at the peak of day to get the extra half hour of benefit <laughs> and then, you know, shutting down later. I was going to say, you can be really mean and after a half an hour, it just cuts the LPAR off. <laughs> it's like you, you wanted to shut down, didn't yeah, that, you? That, that would be, that would go over really well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the, the customers, they, they said, okay, we, you know, there's these times when we are most exposed, when our systems are not available, you know, help us shorten those windows. When did you get to present the, you know, the proposed ideas back to them? And what was like the reaction like? So we started bringing this idea to our customers in the spring of 2018, I believe. So we've been working with our users on this for a little over a year, year and a half. So, but you got to come back and say, okay, we, we listened to you. You said this, here's what we want to do. So we brought them our hill statement, which is like a goal. And we showed it to them. We were like, this is what we're thinking in that spring. And we had a couple of users sign up to be what we call sponsor users, who are users that partner with us. And they basically co-create the solution with us at a strategic level. And so we worked with them, you know, really frequently to get their feedback on an ongoing basis. So we were never building anything off of assumptions. And we, whenever we had questions, we were able to ask them so that what we were building was actually helping them. So how, how does this work, right? We're talking about something that required hardware capability and software capability. Do we give them early machines or? Or, or do we just say, imagine? It was a lot of talking to people and interacting with them and showing them what we were thinking, showing them what our plans were, and talking about the overall experience and less about this is exactly how it's going to be built into your machine. This is exactly the command you have to put in um, because we are focusing on that overall user experience. But we are, we do have some early ship clients and we want to work with them to understand what their experience is with this new machine so that we can make it better in the next iteration. Without getting into specifics, is there any type of client or type of configuration that is um, benefits most from these new features? So certainly subcat machines will benefit the most. Right. Um, and it's really the simplest benefit because they don't have to think about anything. Mm -hmm. right? The machine, the LPAR is just faster. Um, there, there are some complexities involved with the, with the zip boost that they have to think of, they may have to think about because you could be sharing the zips with other machine, you know, other systems, things like that. Because traditionally, you you plan your capacity based around you know production workloads and mm -hmm. what's going to happen during the day. The idea of planning your systems around recovery is is almost like an afterthought. It's not something people typically plan for, except they need to be able to come back up. So, do people really need to start thinking about like okay, their where their zips are and what's what resources are available for this type of thing to best take advantage of it? Ideally, no. Ideally, if they're you know if if they're doing what what we've asked them to do in the past, then they won't have any problems because we we've made recommendations in terms of you know making sure that your zips are properly sized, things like that. Um, you know, when we were you know I, I'm a tester, so part of my job is to figure out all the things that can go horribly wrong and. Mm -hmm sometimes make them happen or at least try to make sure that they don't happen too often. And one of the things that we certainly did come up with was if you have your machines configured in a less than optimal manner, what can happen is you have a system that has is using a lot more zip capacity 
than it's actually entitled to. And so during the during a recovery boost period, that capacity could be de- could be taken away. What, one of the reasons we decided we were okay with that exposure was that could happen no matter what. You know, if you got, if you just suddenly get a, bu- a burst of zip work in, that can happen anyway. Right. You know, so this but is I guess just you, if the system isn't up, you, you're not using your zip processors anyway. Right. Unless you're sharing them with okay, multiple right. LPAR. Right. 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 This is this is the, this is sort of a problem where LPAR a has a lot more access to a lot more zips than it's actually entitled to use. And when LPAR B is coming up, it could take it could then be taking some of that capacity away from LPAR A. You know, as I, as I said, this could happen anyway. And also, our customers tend to be over configured on zips anyway. So we felt that was an appropriate risk, and we we do address it to some degree. There there is a price. There's an additional price feature on the Z15 where you can get 20 zips for up to six hours for recovery period. So you can activate, you can get these 20 zips, you can bring them online, and they'll then be available to you during the recovery period. So unless you've got 50 or 60 zips, you're not, you know, at that point you're covered. Right. The cool part about that is that that's the only priced part of this. Everything else, you get free capacity, which is really cool. Right. So this is kind of interesting to me because a lot of times I'll have uh, multiple LPARs and do some sharing. Um, does this uh, change caps for LPARs? For, for that one, I would like to refer people to the white paper because the, <laughs> the, 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 the capping portion is not sure complicated is exactly the right word, but we have a number of different ways you can cap the machines and the caps apply differently based on whether or not it's CPs or zips, things like that. Right. And I didn't happen to bring the chart with me that goes through it all. But, you know, our, our general – he, he just told you to talk to his agent. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I got. <laughs> but but the, the general thing that, that we were trying to do was to make this, um, you know, price neutral. It should not cost you any more. So that was, you know, again, with, with the caps especially, we didn't want to say, you know, people – Certain types of caps are generally in place for for pricing reasons, and we wanted to make sure that if the, there was a cap in place for, say, a vendor product or something, you know, you, you weren't suddenly using additional capacity, and and that would be priced or you know charged against you. But from an IBM point of view, one of the big selling points of this is it is completely price neutral. It does not affect your four-hour rolling average. You know, during you will have a di- you have all this additional capacity. It's not going to show up in your SCRT reports. So when you send them into IBM, IBM's not going to ask for you know additional software fees because you were using additional capacity during that time. There's and so much stuff that's coming out with uh, with Z15, and you know, even in the past like two years or so, that like I just hear about. It, I'm like, ah, I wish that was around when I was you know <laughs> a lot more hands on. Yeah. But, but like I used to work in in um, CST test when we we work on the RSU and. Uh, there were like these 20 systems that we had to re-IPL once a month typically to take on maintenance. And it was just like a day or if something went wrong, a day and a half type job. You do the half of the systems before lunch, half of the systems after lunch and, you know, any spillover. And, you know, most of the systems are the same size and you say, okay, these are going to take, you know, an hour each or whatever. And you just kind of got used to that. And you might be making your way through and you're kind of doing these mental check marks of, okay, I'm halfway done, three quarters of the way done. And then you get to the the smaller systems with less processors, and it's like, oh, that's right. That that utility <laughs> system or the thing that just runs that, that's going to take like two hours because it has like half a processor. So the the uh, the ability to just shrink those windows across the board is uh, really exciting. And I was talking to somebody from a company 
last week who was uh, explaining their environment and said, yeah, this, this, you know, when we're down, it's an exposure. It's, it's a, it's a time when we, we, we don't like that we have, but we know that we have to do it to keep up and being able to shrink that is, is time that you get back and you can't buy time, but this is like the closest thing. So he's really looking forward to that. Yeah. And that customer's not alone. The pain points you were expressing, you're not the only one that's ever felt those. When we talk to our customers, we spent around 80 hours working with customers on this and they all had pain points really similar. So a lot of them, they have to, you know, strategically time out their maintenance windows so that it aligns with their SLAs and it aligns with their four-hour rolling average so they're not messing anything up there and they're meeting their availability requirements. So with System Recovery Boost, ideally our users can have an easier time installing maintenance. They can do it faster. So in theory, they could either, you know, do it less often and be calm about it or the same amount of time and be more calm about it, or they can do it more frequently and have healthier systems, more up-to-date systems. Taryn was calling it the time machine, I believe. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) The TARDIS. I'm pretty sure Apple has a trademark on that. (laughs) (laughs) But but, but what's really nice about this, I think, is it's not just the um, bring it up or bring it down and bring it up as quickly as possible. It's that... I know that no matter how fast I'm doing this, there's going to be some backlog, mm-hmm. and handling that that backlog is really, really important. It, it seems that even if I'm running in a full GDPS environment, um, having a node out is is exposure, mm-hmm. right? And this kind of solves that problem, right. even even in a full GDPS yeah. near near far kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we've also added some optimizations to the GDPS hardware API, some parallelization to the GDPS scripting. So even if you are running in a GDPS environment, we've added enhancements for you. Right. So if you work at like a large retail company, like a mom and pop type shop, (laughs) and maybe like once a month you have to migrate all your workloads from one site to the next, and you kind of have that shrunken down logically to like one or two commands. Like our buddy Rich you're talking about? Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> spitballing here. That could potentially <laughs> take even less time than it does right now. Yeah. We talk to users that they do that kind of work every couple of months because mm-hmm. they live disaster recovery. They right. want to make sure they're always ready. And so System Recovery Boost makes that less of a chore for them. It makes it not a chore, actually. So, you know, all this we've been talking about, um, it's all the new Z15 hardware. And uh, it it really sounds very ZOS-y, right? So is this really just a ZOS kind of thing? For Zip Boost, yes, because ZOS is the only system that uses Zips. Um, for Capacity Boost, no. Um, we, have, we have shipped support for ZVM already, and VSC and TPF have announced that they will be taking advantage of this in the future, although they haven't shipped support for it yet. So all the IBM developed operating systems will be taking advantage of of um, system recovery boost at some point. Even VSE. Even yeah. VSE. <laughs> wow. We haven't done an episode on VSE. We should do an episode on VSE. We haven't done anything. <laughs> so I got to be honest. All I know about VSE is that at some point in the near future, it'll benefit from system recovery boost. Yeah, I think it's next year. So maybe we do need an episode on that. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll put that, I'll write that right down. Okay. I don't see you writing anything. Well, I'm going to type it up. 
You're not actually. You're just, you're just banging the keyboard. Just moving right along. Okay, I'll go over here. <laughs> Did, and you mentioned the TPF will have it soon, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. TPF has like if I'm um, I'm again dipping into the very shallow well of things I know about operating systems that aren't <laughs> Linux or ZOS. TPF has like a very short uh, bring down, bring back up type of window. Like, do you know anything about how that will work over there? A little, just because I was involved with the calls and so forth. Um, and it actually, this was actually part of what Prism had to do because TPF's shutdown is different, right? It, it doesn't, um, you know, I did not understand all the details, but it doesn't load and unload, unload and reload a lot of stuff in memory and so forth. So they already had a fairly fast shutdown and restart. So they actually had to do some work to figure out how they could take advantage of this um, you know, having to do with signals they send to Prism and so forth. Right. That I, yeah. You have to be a TPF or to really understand, right? <laughs> yes. So um, can you describe just a little bit? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused because it sounds software-y, but it sounds hardware-y as well. Can you kind of explain kind of that, that brain blood barrier here? Right. So the way it works is ZOS tells Prism that it wants to start a boost. Um, Prism does whatever it has to do to either, you know, boost the capacity. Um, doesn't actually really do that much with, with the zip boost portion, I'll admit. But, you know, um, it tells ZOS that the, it's done the boost, and then ZOS runs for the next hour or half hour, depending on what sort of boost it's doing. And then, you know, there's more communication saying that the boost is being turned off and the boost gets disabled. So it's a combination of ZOS and and Prism working together to allow the boost to happen. Because you know one of the things Prism does is report capacity to ZOS, and so Prism has to lie during that time because it's going to still be reporting these you know the the lesser amount of capacity, even though you really have more capacity available to you. Mm. So Prism, what what's Prism? Prism is the IBM Z hypervisor, so it provides partitioning and all. You know we also call it LPAR, but it's officially PRISM. So it's the thing that lets you have LPARs. And it's spelled P-R-S-M. With, with a, a slash. slash in the middle. Huh. <laughs> Is that like ACDC with a lightning bolt in the middle? <laughs> Processor Resource System Manager. You had to look that up. I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the IBM of the 60s wouldn't have allowed a lightning bolt, but it would have been much cooler that way. We have Unicode now. We yes, exactly. That's what, that's what I was thinking, or emoji. <laughs> I'm I'm sold. Um, on my Z15 back home, I'm going to get all my uh, uh, my APARs up to date. I'm going to turn this on. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to take like a good weekend's worth of work to turn on all the bits and configure everything to to turn this on. Like, how do I how do I configure instant recovery on my system? Well, I'm glad you asked, Jeff, because okay. I actually brought the manual that tells you how to configure this. So let me oh. give it over to you. Okay. Okay. You're handing me some papers. There's, I am. A, there's a lot of papers here. Yeah. You expect me to read this on this podcast. I do. I do. You think this is a good use of people's time? I think it is. It's really interesting. Okay. Here we go. I'm just going to start. There appears to be a problem in that all these <laughs> these pages have been intentionally left blank. <laughs> what, what, what gives? So for System Recovery Boost, you don't have to do any installation or configuration. So assuming that you've installed your PTFs, you are good to go. You don't have to turn anything on. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I get my weekend back to play with Legos now. <laughs> Yes, indeed. And scene. <laughs> and so it looks like we're getting to the top of the hour here. So I'd it like certainly to certainly does. <laughs> thank our guests and uh, 
I have nothing else to say. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. I want to say thank you to all of our really awesome users that co-created this offering with us. It's really exciting. And I hope they're excited too. I'm glad I have my weekend back. Because I'm going to need it to edit this podcast. <laughs> Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.